Thank you for tuning in to this BP Leadership Lesson. You're going to hear a lesson titled Real Leadership from Bill Purvis, and it is one that you do not want to miss, so I hope you enjoy. Really glad to be with you. Thanks for joining today, by the way. Uh, this is a, a good day. I know it's a day. You know what I like about this time? You get to take off this thing, that mask you wear everywhere. I, uh, I spoke this morning over at the Central High School to all of their coaches and administration and all that, and uh, it was a room full of people with masks. You don't know if they're smiling, if they're sticking their tongue out at you. You don't have any idea, but uh, but I'm glad the school is going back. They're getting ready to go back, and there are a lot of great people, good leaders there, and just had a good time with those folks this morning. Uh, i mention another thing or two. By the way, if you didn't get a chance, check out my Instagram to see a picture of a girl I baptized. This is a cool story. There was a girl who was watching our broadcast and, and got convicted and gave her life to God. Her name is Kimberly Pelham. And of all things, Kimberly was the daughter of my, the man who's in my best, uh, best man at my wedding 40 years ago, Ken. So uh, when she was ready to get baptized and Ken's got health problems, we worked it out so that I drove down to Eufaula, where I was raised at and where they live, and used the First Baptist Church there as their baptistry and baptized Kimberly and had her family there. And just a great experience and her life's been changed and and uh, just a good thing. And then to be with the guy who's best man of my wedding. He's dying of heart failure right now. We're praying that God will give him more time. Wonderful guy. Dearest friend I've, I've had. And, uh, and I love him. But it was good to get to see him and also see what God's doing in his family. Uh, while we're talking about podcasts, too, another thought. Uh, today at 2 o'clock, I'll be taping. I don't know how, when it's coming out. But there's a friend of mine named Mike Lynch. He's a world-class leader. He's a fabulous guy. He's got a podcast called uh, Lynch with a Leader. And he said everybody that is somebody on there, and I guess he ran out of guests because today at 2 o'clock I'll be his guest. And uh, I look forward to it. He, he's just a fabulous guy, but it's called Lynch with a Leader. And if you want to follow another good podcast, Mike's one of those worth following, okay? And uh, we'll let you know, Hunter will let you know somehow when they want to air that as well, okay? Um, and I, I, I sure love you folks. I really do. I'm grateful to you. Thank God for you. And I know this COVID thing has kind of put us all back on on figuring out new ways to adapt and how to survive. But I want to give you some ways today along the line of what leadership is and how you lead during times like these as well. But basically just what real leadership is. And I was thinking the other day, somebody asked me some questions about leadership. They said, hey, was it a question and answer deal? And, uh, and I said, you know, leadership is really defined in a lot of areas. You can't just put it in one. But, you know, like leadership is integrity. Leadership is courage. Leadership is servanthood. And, uh, and, and one of the thoughts is leadership is also discipline. Um, that, that's one of the things that makes a big difference in how far you go in life is personal discipline. What you're doing right now, by the way, is personal discipline. You're, you're listening to try to grow, to learn, to enhance, and expand. And that's, that's what leadership is. It's, it's basically a discipline. And um, so today I, I thought what I was going to do I've, I've met with some good leaders recently. They said, man, I loved it. Sometimes we need to use Bible illustrations. And I thought, well, I can sure do that on this one for sure. Let's, let's come back. Who the best leader we know was Jesus. And Jesus understood that disciplined people go further and make a difference. And so he's going to go out and call some disciples. And long before he calls his disciples, he puts them through a test, a series of tests. He gives them really five tests to find out if they're going to be a good, effective leader. And, and it's kind of hidden in there in the passage, which when you look at it, you'll see, wow, 
That was five perfect tests that the master was giving to be able to determine how well these people were as leaders and whether he should bring them on his team. He never brought them on his team until Matthew, until, I'm sorry, until Luke 6. But in Luke 5, he's testing them. And so he didn't just call a bunch of bumbling buffoons. Sometimes people think, well, you know, he had a, he had a bunch of goofballs as disciples. No, he didn't. He had well-skilled people that he taught and trained that had a heart and knew what he was doing. And so uh, let me give you a thought about some of this stuff, all right? I'm, I'm going to read you a passage, if that's okay. If you hadn't had church in a while, I'll give you a few verses, all right? In, in Luke 5, it says, So it was the multitude pressed upon him to hear the word of God. That is, a crowd was coming to hear him. And then he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out and washed the nets. And so he turned to one, he turned over to Simon Peter, and he, and he said, Will you put your boat out from the shore? So Peter put the boat out, and Jesus stands on the boat, and the water becomes for them kind of like a, a place where the, where the sound would echo, it's magnifier. And, um, and so that was his way to amplify his message by talking across the water. So he's on Peter's boat speaking to the crowd, and then he stopped speaking. When he finished, it says that he did this. It says he finished, and he told them, you know, launch out to the deep and let down your nets, and they did. You know the story. They let down their nets, and uh, they let only one net down, and it burst because of all the fish. And we've taught the story a million ways from that angle. They should have let down many nets. They let down one net, uh, and the, the fish came from everywhere. We've said they came from crappy corner and bass boulevard and lobster lane they, they just came and dove in that net filled it up broke it up but after that you remember that peter turned to him and said lord you know i'm a sinful man get away from me and and so peter was not a disciple at the time jesus was really doing what we would call an interview he was interviewing him and some others to see if they were going to be able to be his disciples so now here's what he does he comes to this place where uh, he, you know, he, he calls them later and sends them away. But he gives them the five tests that they don't even know are tests. And I thought, let me, let me see if I can work that a little bit and see how that fits. And, well, they just fall out perfectly in those verses. First, he does this. He gives them what we call the action test. Now, the action test is this. He asks Peter to launch out. He says, I want you to launch out. Now, here's the deal. Peter could have said, Jesus... You're a healthy guy. You can move it out yourself. Why, why do you need me? Your arm's not broke. And, and, and Peter could have said, I just put the boat up there. I'm not doing that. You, you take care of it. But you know what he was doing? He was testing Peter's heart and his teamwork and his work ethic and his response. Now, Peter's not lazy or even making an excuse. So Peter does this. Peter takes action. He says, will you let me have this boat? Peter jumps over there, pushes it back out, and he takes it and he goes out. Peter's an action guy, by the way. Uh, you remember that he's the one that well, jumped in and whacked the soldier's ear off, and he's ready to build a church the moment he sees a vision on, the, on you know, Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, Peter was not a theorist. Peter was a doer. He wanted to take action. He, he wasn't one to just want to read about it and philosophize and analyze. Peter was an action-oriented person. Now, here's a problem with that. One indication of a, of a person of action is that they create friction, okay? Now get that. If you're one of those people that you say, you know, I work real hard on that, but there's always a little bit of friction, there's a reason for that. It's because people that take action and make action, they create friction. It's okay. Friction's not bad, but they make it. And so that's what Peter does. He gives him the action test and he passes it. 
Now he's going to give him the second test. The second test that he gives him is the authority test. In verses 4 and 5 when he said, I want you to go out, really what he's wanting to know is he said, you know, I want to take your boat and let's go out and launch. He was really saying, Peter, can you follow directions? Here's what I want to do. Now I want to know, can you follow directions? See, some people have action, but they can't follow directions. They'll do a lot. I mean, they're hot-wired. They're energetic. They're go-getters. The problem is they can't work under authority. They think they know more than the boss. They think they're smarter than the people around them. And so while they may have action skills, they don't have honor or respect for those above them. And so what happens is, is you know, when Peter, Peter passed his test, what I liked was when Jesus told him later what to do to drop the nets, he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will. And he just openly said, I'll do what you want. Now, it's really important we understand that test in life because of this. The way we respond to authority is really how we feel toward God. You know, in fact, God is our final authority. And if I want to know, if I've got rebellion in my heart, it expresses itself first toward other people, particularly my authorities. And then it, it may, in the end, show openly toward God. But in reality, I honor God by honoring authority. And God, God's not a God of chaos. God's God of order. So God puts authority there to help us to stay in line and to make a difference. In fact, there's a book called A Message to Garcia. It's one of the top best-selling books of all times. It's been around for a long time. Uh, Lieutenant Andrew Rowan, I wrote it down here, had given an impossible assignment to invade the jungles of Cuba at one time to General Garcia. And, and Garcia wrote back to him, this, this caused what a leader's like. He said, the first principle of a leader is his willingness to embrace a task without hesitation, without balking, without evading. What he's saying is a leader says, if that's the assignment, I'll do it. And they just do it. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is testing in Peter's life. He's saying, Peter, I want to know if you can pass the action test. And Peter did. Can you pass the authority test? As will you let me use your boat? Will you do what I say when I say drop the nets? And he did. Now he's got to pass another test. The third test is what we call the acknowledgement test. Now the acknowledgement test is this. After they catch all those fish, Peter falls on his knees, turns to Jesus, and says to him, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And he honors and acknowledges Jesus and God who he is. See, a lot of people, once they do something and they get a little credit, that goes to their head. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, it's all them. Uh, Peter could have, if he'd have been self-centered, as soon as that boat was filled, he could have, he could have said, folks, tell everybody, if you fish with me, this is what I catch. Tell everybody about how well I do. He could have really took the credit for it, but he didn't. Somebody said it this way one time. They said, you can do a lot of good in this world if you don't care who gets the credit for it. As if it doesn't matter whether you get acknowledged or didn't care. I, uh, the, I, I mentioned a moment ago my, my friend, Ken, uh, best man of my wedding. He and I played football together. And, uh, and, and I was a fullback and he was a halfback. And, and we laugh about these times, but what was funny was even then, if, if, I would, if I would run or if he would run the ball, sometimes he may run the ball and, and they would say, you know, over the loudspeakers, you know, they would say something like, and a uh, five-yard game by Bill Purvis. Now, they just made a mistake. You know, they, they, the announcer just mixed me and Ken up. We were all going back to the huddle. Ken would be standing in the middle of the field, pointing up at the booth, stopping the whole game, saying, it's Ken Pelham, it's Ken, get a read. And, and, 
And I used to always laugh when I said, if you don't worry about it, everybody knows who it is. They don't care, but he wanted to make sure they called his name. And we laughed about that because he would stop almost the whole game just to make sure they called the right player that made that play. And, uh, and so uh, that was one of our childhood memories. But what I know is this. The acknowledgement test is being able to say, I don't care if I get the credit, you can have it. And, and, and it's saying, God, whatever you do in my life, you did it. In fact, the funny thing is the highest level of leaders, and, and, and this is a fact I've noticed lately, the highest level of leaders start trying as they get at the top to fly under the radar. They, they really want to fly a little more under the radar now because they say, I've already been on top of it, and, uh, and, and everybody sees me and everything I do, and they'd like a little privacy. So the acknowledgement test that he has to pass is can I give the credit to the one that really did it? Then he's going to teach him something else. Now he's going to give him what's called the appetite test. Now, the appetite test is when he says, if you think this was fun, Peter, try fishing for men. What he's really saying is you can make a few bucks catching some fish, but you want to really find something that satisfies your soul, you ought to become a fisher of men. Peter, we can go out and make a difference and change lives. Now, the appetite test is this. Uh, giving your life to something that satisfies your soul, fulfills you, uh, finding something of value that you can do. There's got to be an appetite for it. My, my appetite in leadership is not to grow just because I want to grow, but I want to help everybody I know to grow so they can do better, find it easier, and find their potential. And so the, the appetite test is, what is it that turns you on? What is it that really gets you going? What is it that gets excitement in your voice? I was speaking to someone recently on the phone, and, and all the conversation was kind of plain until we got to one hot topic they like. The moment I got to there, I swear, I thought, this is going to be a conversation. And they went on and on and on, just unloaded everything. And I thought, that was their button. Now, what is yours? And so I encourage you, try something bigger, something that takes risk and faith. But part of the test you take is the appetite test. How far will you go? Then there's the last test he gives him, and that's this. He gives him the abandonment test. It says, they pulled up their boats to the shore and they left everything. Now, now we're talking about a price here. When, when Jesus is interviewing Peter, and Peter don't know he's being interviewed, but he's giving him the test, he passes the action, he passes the authority, the acknowledgement, he gives credit to God, his appetite, he's changing that to fish for men. But then the abandonment test is, are you willing to go all in? Are you ready to make a big leap? And I've always said, bold moves is where you're going to get your greatest rewards. And what's crazy or what's wonderful about it is that this is about the test. And, and this is about the price it's going to cost to be able to pass that test. Um, following God and pursuing your goals in life is not for the faint of heart. If you're going after a great mission, and, and that mission says to you, sell some things, uh, you know, eliminate some things, um, sacrifice. If that mission says it, are you willing to do it? That is, what's on your altar? And the question is, what do you want in life and what are you willing to pay to get it? Because everything's going to cost something. In fact, you get to pick the size of your fish that you go after in life. He's basically saying, Peter, if you want to stay here and fish for perch all your life, you can do it. But if you want to fish for people, you can do that too. And he's saying, you get to choose what size you want to go after. What do you want to do now? So it really comes down to us. So the five tests he gave were action, authority, acknowledgement, appetite, and abandonment. Would you go all in? And, and here's the facts I know when I looked at that and thought about the, the calling to that. Right after that is when Jesus called Peter to be a disciple. 
He didn't call him before then. In chapter 5, he let him be tested to see if you'll do all these things with me and work with me. And in chapter 6, he calls him and James and some others. And so he's teaching us there again. There was the modeling process of testing before, try before you buy, testing before you, before you make the, the, the long-term commitment. Let me give you a couple of facts, three facts real quick. One of them is this. It tells me this, you always have to give up to go up. You have to give up to go up. I, I would love to say you can always take everything with you, but you ever notice a mountain climber? The higher he gets on that mountain, the more he starts discarding things. And, and the further you go, the more you have to start letting go of some things that are taking your time. You may have to get some people out of your circle. You may have to get some thoughts out of your head. You may have to get some projects that are not worthwhile or taking too much time and energy, trivial. You may have to get them off your plate. But the truth is, to go up, you have to give up. The second is, and this is one thing that um, I didn't know this. I got to tell you, when I first started in leadership, I, uh, I did not know this one. And if I'd have known this one, maybe I would have embraced it easier. But here's the key. One sacrifice rarely guarantees success. One sacrifice rarely guarantees success. See, we have the tendency to think, I made a sacrifice, so I won't ever have to do a sacrifice again. I ought to get success from now on. Truth is, you're going to keep doing it at every level. For the rest of your life, you have to make what I call trade-offs. Uh, I call them trade-offs that paid off. I look at my life and say, I made some trade-offs that I'm glad I made when I made. I'm glad I did that. I, at the time, it wasn't convenient. It wasn't easy. So in your life, you're going to do this. You're going to learn you'll always be making sacrifices if you're going to hit success. But that's okay. The fun is in the growth. It's in the journey. It's not in the destination. And then there's something else, and that's this. The higher you reach, the greater your sacrifice. That is, the further you want to go, the more it's going to cost. The higher you reach, the, the greater your sacrifice. The, I, I remember when I was pastoring here and and uh, there was a question one time in a Q&A among a bunch of pastors. And one of them said, Brother Bill, your church is growing. And, and, uh, and y'all have grown every year. And our church doesn't grow. Most of the guys in that room, they wanted to grow a church, but they, their churches just didn't grow. And he said, um, will Cascade Hills ever stop growing? And I thought that was interesting. He said, y'all are phenomenal. You grow and grow and grow. We've seen nothing like it among churches. And so this guy said, yeah, do you think Cascade Hills will ever stop growing? And I said, there's a possibility. And, and here's, here's when it stops growing. When the price to pay for growth becomes too high, that's when we stop. When all of a sudden we don't want to make any more changes. When we say, I, I don't want to sacrifice anymore. This cost to it. When we begin to do that, that's when we plateau and ultimately die. In your life, the principle is the same. The truth is, is that you can grow as far as you want as long as you're willing to pay the price to get there. And so that's the key to it. Now, what I say to you is this. Um, leadership is discipline. That is, discipline is that deal where we say, I, uh, I just want, you know, I, I, I want to get into something. And that's what, by the way, word disciple comes from discipline. But, but it's saying leadership is that area where I'm going to get into and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to demand of my time. It's going to demand my energy. It's going to make me reprioritize. If I do this, I've got to sacrifice in some other areas. But if I don't do this, where am I going to be? And so my hope is that you'll decide where you want to go 
and be willing to pass the test and pay the price to get there. Leadership is discipline. Don't be afraid of that. Welcome it. Embrace it. I say it in closing along this line. I had a wise old guy one time. This guy was a tremendous leader. And um, and I I just would pick his brain. I mean, I literally would. I, every time I was with him, he almost hated to see me come. He told his wife he loved me, but I wondered. But but he would, I would give him questions. I, I knew he got tired of it. But one time, he gave me this little insight. He said, Bill, I can look at somebody and determine pretty fast how far they'll go. And I said, how? What's the technique? And he said, how far you go is discipline. And he used that word I'm using now. And then he said, if I see somebody that has no discipline in their life about anything, everything's out of control, whether it be their personal life or their family or all the things, he said they have no discipline. I'm not going to trust that they're going to go too far with any responsibility I give them. He said, but I see people who have discipline, that they really do manage themselves. And I can tell you that whatever I can throw, generally they can grow to it. And he said, so discipline to me can pretty well be seen right on the front end. I had not realized that then, but it was an insight worth holding to. So leadership for all of us is discipline. And that's what we got to do to be able to get there. So I hope that helps you today and gives you the word you need. And I'm really appreciative. I'm grateful for you. I I, I don't take it for granted that you uh, would take this time to listen. And my hope and prayer is that, that it's been of help to you during this time. Thank you for tuning into this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Each month, we share these lessons at a live luncheon to anyone in the Columbus, Georgia area. If you would like more information on dates and times of our upcoming luncheons, you can visit bpleadership.com.